Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Dan Gumby Greenley, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads to Salt Lake City this weekend for UFC 278, headlined by the rematch between Kamara Usman and Leon Edwards. We'll, of course, be breaking down that fight as well as two other phenomenal fights on this main card. It's part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, I'm bringing you the interviews. Kicking off the show this week is Jay Perrin, who fights Keelang Aori at UFC 278. We'll be talking to him about that upcoming fight. And a little later on in the show, we're going to be talking to Amiran Gogoladze, who is getting ready for his Contender Series bout that fight this Tuesday upcoming. So we're going to get you to all of that great content right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Jay Perrin, who fights Key Langiore at UFC 278. That fight is on August 20th. So, Jay, I wanted to start here. Uh, you know, we, we go back to your time on the Contender Series, right? Because that was really your first chance to get to the UFC. You, you didn't win. You didn't get the contract then. But you find yourself in the UFC so quickly afterwards. Were you confident that that was going to be the quick turnaround for you? Um, you know, for a while, dude, it, it didn't seem that way. Um, for a while, it was like, you know, um, I thought after the contender series that I was owed something. And I, you know what I mean? I just learned that I was not. Nobody owes me anything. And, uh, you know what I mean? What I think I deserve isn't necessarily what I do. Um, and that was a big lesson that I taught, you know, that I was that I was taught from that was that, um, you know, you just keep trucking forward. And when it was your time, it was your time. And um, luckily, you know what I mean? I got my time in a, in a shorter amount of than I, than I had expected. But, um, you know, after that one, you know, it got, it got really, I got real sad. I got fat for a minute and, uh, I had a lot of soul searching to do there, but, um, you know, there was a time where I just didn't, you know, I asked that question was asked, like, when do you think you're going to be in the UFC? When do you think you're going to be this or that? And I go, you know what? I, I can't predict that. So I can just only do what's in front of me and hopefully I get the call. And if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. So that was, uh, kind of the mindset after that. And, and, you know, you, you sort of talked about the fact that it, it was tough emotionally for you right after that. But but obviously you, you turned the corner. You looked amazing in your next couple of fights. You you got back in the gym and, and started killing it. What what sort of helped you turn that corner? Um, I just remember that I love to do this and that, you know, at the end, you know, the, obviously at the at the end goal is to be in the UFC and have a successful career. But um, it just I got back to, you know, I love to do this and um you know, I knew I belonged in the upper echelon of the sport, be it, you know, in UFC or Bellator or whatever it should be at the time. Um, I knew that I'd get there. You know, there's something deep and I have this really good gut instinct that it was, you know, my time would come and um, it did, you know. So I just I just refocused into loving the sport again and, and uh, just doing what I love every day. And that really just helped the time go by a lot better. That makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously, you get the call. It's a short notice fight. So, you know, the way that a lot of people get to the UFC these days is that short notice fight. What what was your reaction when you, you hear that you get, you know, it was only two fights later, like you said, that you're going to get that shot that you wanted so badly? Um, I, I kind of had a, had a feeling that it was going to be a short notice fight. That's what everybody kind of like told me going in, like, hey, man, you're not going to get 
like a like a six week camp. You're gonna get like a five day camp or like a week at best. So just be ready at any time. And uh, luckily for me, I uh, I got I I was preparing for a fight, you know, and it was like a month later. But um, you know, I was in shape. I was ready to go, and the stars just kind of aligned. So um, for me, it was like you know I'm very capable of beating this guy. It'll be tough. I still think I'm capable of beating that guy. Um, but you know, I was just excited to get my shot. It wasn't like a damn, I'm stressed, I have to do this, this, and that. It was, hey, you got the call, it's time to get to work. And I just hopped up and down and, and, and got right to work. So was, um, like I said, I knew I belonged here, and I do belong here. And, again, I'm going to prove that in 12 days. And, um, yeah, I, that was basically it. I got the call. I jumped up and down for joy. You know, I took a day to be excited, and then I got right to work. Well, and you mentioned that you, you feel like you could still take out Mario Batista, especially if you had a full camp for him. You're the you're the first guy in three years who've gone the distance with him. Even you know he's out here finishing guys like Brian Keller in in almost no time at all. You know, do do you find inspiration in that, or is it still you know it's sort of frustrating that you didn't get the best version of yourself in there? I mean, I I I, I took what I got. You know what I mean? I took what the what the cards were dealt. You know what I mean? It was hey, you had six days. You know, and I appreciate I I took the fight, so I I, I expected that I could win on that amount of time. So I'm not going to take away from Mario because he was. Um, an animal that night, and he was an animal in general, and that guy's going to be somebody to, to talk about in a little while. Um, I think it took I took a lot of encouragement from that because he is a killer, and that guy is a really really good. And um, I stood toe to toe with him for you know 13 minutes until you know the last two minutes is where he pulled away, and that was uh, after a 25 pound weight cut on you know five days. So um, I think I, I've said it before on my very, very best day. There's not a single person in the world that's going to whoop my ass. And I, I guarantee that. So I proved that on six days against a stud. Um, I was a little undersized in that fight. And so I've worked on that. Um, just everything in that, in that fight that I needed to improve upon, I did. And it actually helped me realize how much work I have to do to be like somebody like that. So, um, and that the gap isn't as, um, wide as you'd think between me and the upper echelon of these people in this. Uh, in this weight class. So, you know, I, I, as, as shitty it is to take a loss, I, I lose far less than I win. So uh, that doesn't bug me. I can take a loss here and there. Um, I learned a lot from it, and I level up every time. If you've ever watched me lose, I come back stronger, faster, and uh, a better version of myself. So it sucks to lose, but it was also uh, a learning experience, like always. And uh, I know now how good I am and uh, where I where I can fit in this division. And you mentioned a little bit about feeling like you were at a physical disadvantage. So obviously you go back to the gym, you, you work on getting stronger and stuff like that. Were there any other big takeaways, you know, maybe technically places where you thought you were lacking? Um, Yeah, there's a, um, you know, I got a couple of takedowns, but I couldn't secure them in the last fight. I couldn't keep them down. Now, again, Mario's a great wrestler. He's very strong. Um, That was a big part of it. A big part of that last fight was Mario was big and strong. He's a lot stronger than I'm used to. Um. So we went back to the gym. We worked on, you know, I put a little bit of size on me and became like an actual bantamweight. Um, you know, I'm big. I'm in big for the weight class now. Um, you know, that was pretty much it. It was anytime I got to range, my boxing range, he did a great job of clinching me up and making sure that I couldn't strike. Um, I got a couple of takedowns, but I, I had a hard time securing them. And that, that's what we, we've worked a lot on, uh, just being, being heavy on the ground and, um, you know, just sharpening all the tools. So, um, I can't say that there was a lot of technical things. You know, I just made some silly mistakes because I was tired and um, that won't happen again because normally I don't get tired. So, um, yeah, just sharpening everything and making sure that I'm mentally clear and 
um, you know, put a little size on and make sure I'm not out strengthening it. I love it. Now let, let's talk about the upcoming fight too, because it's an exciting one. You're fighting Keelan Yore, a guy who, you know, he does, does like to throw a little bit too, but he also mixes his wrestling in a little bit. What were sort of your thoughts on him when you first got the name and maybe did a little bit of research on him and, and saw what he brings to the table? Um, I noticed that he's aggressive. He's gonna. It's going to be an exciting fight because we're both two two guys that aren't going to take a back step to either. Um, it'll be a war of attrition there. I think I'm a little bit more polished just about everywhere. Um, he takes people down, but he can't hold them there. He's not very good at that. He tries to climb to the back too fast, and uh, you know every time that ends up with his I'm really prepared for him to try to do that. Um, uh, I work with high levels at all time from you know like I said my my main training partner is Rob Duvalish really, who is on the same card. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with Marab, but you, you know, practicing with him is like fighting him. It's like fighting the Tasmanian devil. So, um, you know, the wrestling part is, is there. The pace part is there. Um, as far as striking goes, again, like he hasn't, he hasn't shown me anything that's particularly fantastic. That's not, you know, over the top spectacular. Um, he, like he loves flying knees, loves to spam those. It's probably his best move. Um, and he's got a mean right hand. But other than that, um, you know, I just don't, I don't see, what else is really super duper threatening about him um, or that I haven't seen before. Um, but so I, I'm prepared to go wherever this goes and uh, do it well. Well, we're, we're certainly looking forward to it. Now, I always like to ask too, you know, your first fight being in the apex. Now you're getting a chance to fight in front of, you know, a big live audience. It's, it's Salt Lake City. So maybe it's not like a big Vegas audience or a big, you know, Dallas, Texas audience, but you big know, enough. It, it, yeah, it's a big, it's a big arena audience. You know, what's that like for you knowing that you're, you know, finally going to have, a whole bunch of people at your fight chanting your name. That's it's going to be great. You know, maybe I'll get some USA chants because I'm the, I'm the USA guy. Um, I, I feed off of crowds. I love the crowd. Um, I love the energy from the crowds, and it'll be a long time since I've really had a big crowd like that. So, um, you know, I'm just going to bask in it as I walk in, and and you know, obviously stay and stay focused. But um, the crowd's what we're there for. You know, this is the big walk. So. Um, I've visualized it for weeks and weeks and weeks now, making that walk, hearing Bruce say my name and um, walking out and have my hand raised and uh, having people cheer for me. So um, this is the one we all wait for, you know, the one that, you know, we get the big lights, the big stage, the big walk to the large cage. You know, um, it's everything that I've ever wanted. So I'm just excited. The more we get there, the more hyper focused I get um, and the more uh, more excited I get that I get to perform and do what I love to do um, in front of thousands of people um and even millions on 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 tv so um i couldn't be happier and more grateful to be in the position that i'm in well we're excited for it too now before i let any fighters go i always like to ask them for a prediction do you have one how do you see this one ending i don't know how i'm gonna do it but i do see a finish in the second um uh and they're gonna wobble him he's gonna fall down i'm gonna choke him or i'm just gonna put his lights out but um one way or another i'm coming for 50k baby so you know i you know he can he can heal his wounds with a 50k check on his way home but uh it'll be on the losing side of it so i, I protect a, a finish I, expe- I expect fireworks from this guy he's gonna he's gonna come at me i'm gonna come at him um it might be the sleeper prelim of the of the of the card so uh definitely uh pay attention to this fight because it's gonna be two guys that are trying to take each other's heads off and i'm fully prepared for war i am going to come out of that cage with my shield or on it um so one way or another um we will entertain you as much as we can. Well, we are looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this has been Jay Perrin, who fights Keelan Yori at UFC 278, that fight on August 20th. Jay, thanks again for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. I hope to hear from you again.
Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Jay Perrin. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start here. Uh, Marlon Vera not only wins, but he uh, absolutely demolishes Dominic Cruz's face in Route 2. Probably the biggest win of his career at this point in time, although obviously the Rob Font one being pretty big too. Where do you think he fits in at 135? Do you think he's like a legitimate title challenger after that? He absolutely is. I mean, Rob Font, Frankie Edgar, Dominic Cruz, and I get that Frankie Edgar's on his way out, Dominic Cruz clearly on his way out, but these are big names to build a resume off of. We know the UFC loves a good video hype package that has highlights of known fighters getting their faces smashed in, and he has provided that with the Frankie Edgar front kick and the Dominic Cruz broken nose kick at this point. So it's go time, baby. I mean, he's right there. 135 is loaded. So I'm not saying he's clearing away like the next title challenger, but he's there. He's he's at the top now. Yeah, and, and I would say this too. Apart from Henry Cejudo, the only guy to sleep, Dominic Cruz. Uh, and, and, and he definitely didn't do it in the same way as Henry Cejudo, who did it with, you know, like a knee and a barrage of punches. And like, no, it was one touch and he was out of there. It's the only straight up KO, not TKO of Dominic Cruz's career. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think the the fight with Rob Font probably tells us more, but I think what you said, you know, in that it is now the highlight package that the UFC wants or needs in order to put him, you know, either in a title fight or pretty damn close to it. He's got that now too. So it, it does a little bit of both, you know, going and beating somebody like Rob Font, but taking a step back and knocking out a legend who hasn't really been knocked out. Yeah, incredible. Uh, good for Marlon Vera, and and I'm excited to see what they do with him next because there are a lot of options out there for him. You know, I was also reading too. Uh, being from Ecuador, he recently signed a uh, endorsement deal with Pepsi, just in the country. I know it's not the sexiest market. I know it's not the strongest market, but they could run an Ecuadorian show with him headlining it, and we know the UFC loves that. Yeah, and and even if they're not running a show in Ecuador too, just like. The, the UFC knows what they have when they have an international star that is not from the United States and is maybe from a country that's not really well represented, right? We saw that with the rise of Yair Rodriguez. Like, they really love that it was tapping into that Mexican market, which, you know, apart from Cain Velasquez, who is of Mexican descent, or Tito Ortiz, who's of Mexican descent, they hadn't really had, like, a guy towards the top of the division, like, straight up from Mexico. And the UFC does love that, having people from different countries and being a global product and because they know it, it taps in and gets more people to watch from that country. So I think there's something to that. He also announces for the UFC too, in their Spanish language broadcast. So they love him for that reason. Yeah. Like uh, sky seems like the limit right now. I'd like to see him against the winner of uh, whoever comes out of Corey Sanhagen versus Song Yudong. I, I think that'd be a great fight for him. I agree completely. Um, well, I'll tell you what else I agree completely with, and it's us moving on to our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC 278. Very excited to get to a numbered UFC event. Uh, let's start breaking it down, Gumby, with a couple of fights we like, a couple of dogs and parlays to play. But before we do, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Sucks and Parlay is brought to you by MMA Play 365. MMA Play 365 is a prediction and betting service out here trying to help the public make money 
on the UFC and MMA in general. For one super low fee, you get access to their professional handicapper with a six-year winning record. He gives you full breakdowns, parlays, and his official bets. But that's not all. For the same great price, you get access to their brand new Bayes AI prediction software, which uses advanced algorithms to give you percentages for every possible outcome on every single UFC fight. They got packages of all length and sizes to fit your needs, including a daily fantasy one, if that's your gig. So go check them out at MMA Play 365 and don't you forget to use that promo code Top Turtle for 10% off their annual package. That's MMA Play 365. You know, we have a Kamara Usman fight this weekend, which makes me very excited. He will be going for his sixth title defense and it's really, you know, we're approaching historic times here. I know Joe Rogan can't go one fight without saying someone's the best of all time. <laughs> and Usman is not there yet. For me, it's always going to be GSP. I think he's moved past just, well, he's right there with Matt Hughes for one great, the second uh, best, 170 or, but he's just going to keep building his resume and that's exciting. And you know, he's undefeated in the UFC, which is really amazing. It's so funny to think about that this man started his pro career at one and one. The second fight he ever had, he lost to a man by the name of Jose Caceres via rear naked choke at CFA 11 back in 2013. And can you imagine how disappointed he was walking to the back after that loss? What did he think? Did he think, eh, no problem. I'm just going to reel off another uh, 19 wins in a row and defend the UFC title five times in a row. Uh, what a career he's had up to this point. Wins over the likes of Colby Covington, twice. Jorge Masvidal, twice. Beat downs each time. Gilbert Burns, and of course beat Tyron Woodley, the former champ, to claim uh, his title. And also RDA, too. There's another name in there. That's a potential Hall of Famer. Same thing with Damian Maya. This man has some really impressive wins. Fighting Leon Edwards this weekend as a minus 340 favorite. Not one of those impressive wins, but we just had to get through it. Leon Edwards is one of the weirdest title challengers ever. First of all, he already lost to Kamara Usman back in December of 2015. Since that loss to Usman, he has reeled off nine wins in a row with one no contest thrown in there, the no contest of Bolil Muhammad for an eye poke. And he's going into this title fight Offset weird eye poke over Bilal Muhammad, and then a unanimous decision win over Nate Diaz, where he very clearly lost the last minute and a half of the fight and was close to being finished. But how do you deny a man on a nine-fight win streak of his title shot, even if it hasn't been the sexiest nine-fight win streak? You know, there were wins over the corpse of Donald Cerrone in there. RDA, who you could say is pretty much washed up, only a split decision win over uh, Gunnar Nelson. I'm hard-pressed to really even point out what the best win in this nine-fight win streak has been. Maybe Vicente Luque, maybe Albert Tumanoff, who at the time of that win in October of 2016 was thought to be an up-and-coming great prospect. But, you know, it's, uh, it's underwhelming to say the least, and he's a plus 280 dog. Who you got? Yeah, I'm obviously going with Kamara Usman here. Uh, even though that number is huge, you know, it, it, I think both of them have developed since their their win. But the ways in which they developed, I, I feel better even than I did the first time they fought about Kamara Usman, right? Because Usman has always been a really great wrestler. He's clearly added some tools in boxing. He's he, especially in terms of power. Maybe not in terms of like being super technical. 
Leon Edwards has always been a technical boxer and a good one. You know, he's got a little knockout power if you want to count the Seth Bazinski fight, but largely, you know, a technical boxer who puts on a clinic like he did against Nate Diaz for 24 minutes before getting stung in the last minute. You know, his wrestling game is is good enough, but it's obviously not going to challenge Kamaru Usman. So, like, you know, if you're drawing a path to victory here, you got to almost hope Kamaru Usman goes in and forgets he knows how to wrestle and just decides to have a striking match. And even if he does that, I feel like he could fail for two rounds and then just be like, oh, shit, yeah, let me wrestle the last three rounds and I'll win all of those. So, like, I don't see a huge path to victory here for for Leon Edwards. So, yeah, I'm all over Kamaru Usman. Yep, same here. Uh, Paulo Costa, another very strong favorite, minus 295 to the returning Luke Rockhold, who's a plus 245. Let's talk about Paulo Costa because this man started – his MMA career at 13 and 0 was undefeated in the UFC. He was 5 and 0 in the UFC, and then he ran into a TKO to Israel Adesanya. Adesanya humped him after the match. He came back and lost a unanimous decision, uh, a unanimous decision to Marvin Vittori. This was at light heavyweight, um, and uh, he it did not look good in that fight. So he's on a two-fight losing streak. Once thought to be the tops of the division. Uh, and the UFC is basically gifting him here and saying, you know what, let's stop that losing streak. We're going to give you Luke Rockhold, uh, who is also on a two-fight losing streak, but has not fought since 2019, has not even one foot out the door. He has like a whole leg and half his torso out the door in male modeling. He's one and four in his last, or excuse me, he's one and three in his last four fights, which includes losing his title that he never defended his middleweight title, back to Michael Bisping in 2016. So since 2016, that's six years, Gumby, if you need help doing the math. He's only fought four times. His only win is over David Branch back in September of 2017, and now he hasn't fought in three years, and they're giving him Paul Acosta. He's a massive underdog, or not massive, but he's a over two-to-one underdog, a plus 245. Is there any way you see Rockhold having an upset of of upsets here, or is it just Paulo Costa all day? So first of all, it's it's wild to me that that Paulo Costa is a smaller favorite than than Kamar Usman, right? Like that's that's kind of a weird one. I would say the only way I would see Luke Rockhold winning this is if we get that weird Paulo Costa that we got against Israel Adesanya, where he didn't throw any punches. Uh, I can see Luke Rockhold winning that, but I do think as soon as Paulo Costa decides to send one of those heat-seeking missiles to Luke Rockhold's dome, it's over. Luke Rockhold's got a bad chin, and he hasn't fought in four years. Maybe that's helped it a little bit, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think massively, right? Um, it's not like getting hit in the head is is not a cumulative game. It's, that's exactly what it is, and... I don't think his chin was ever great to begin with. You know, like, no offense to Michael Bisping. I, I like Michael Bisping, but Michael Bisping was never a power puncher, right? Like, that's that's not the game on Michael Bisping. He was never a big power hitter. And look at what he did to Luke Rockhold. So, you know, I I think Paul Acosta is about to do that and to, to turn things back around. So, yeah, I'm all over Acosta here. Well, let's get to a fight that's actually tough to predict or somewhat tough to predict. Merib Divishvili is a minus 125. Jose Aldo, just a very slight plus 105 dog. Uh, Davishvili is certainly a favorite fighter of this show. He is on a seven-fight win streak and coming off a huge TKO performance of the night victory over Marlon Moraes. In this seven-fight win streak, he has wins over Brad Katona, Gustavo Lopez, John Dodson, Cody Stammen as up and coming as up and get and he will fight one of the goats 
a legend of the sport in Jose Aldo. Aldo on a three-fight win streak wins over Marlon Vera, Pedro Munoz, and Rob Fawn. Um, and that was after his loss to Piotr Jan for the vacant UFC bantamweight title back in July of 2020. So older fighter at this point in Aldo, but he's remained pretty consistent and pretty active. Um, the last we saw him was back in December, so uh, seven, eight months since his last fight. <clears throat> but it's worth noting that you know, you go back to that Connor loss, that iconic Connor loss in 15, 16 seconds. That was back in December 2015, seven years ago. And his career has taken a very odd turn since that time. Came back with a big win over Frankie Edgar, then lost two fights to Max Holloway, very decidedly via TKO, both of them, for the featherweight title. He couldn't reclaim it. Uh, then performance of the Knights with TKO victories over Jeremy Stevens, Hanato Makano, but then a three-fight losing streak, drops down to Bantamweight, loses to Marlon Moraes, Piotr Jan. Um, he's 6-5 and five since that Connor loss, since that you know career-changing Connor loss, and hoping not to go 6-6 six and six at this point. Does he still have it in him, or are you picking Marib Devishvildar? I'm actually going to go with the underdog. I'm going to go with Jose Aldo here. Uh, you know, like... Not for anything. We're talking about that Marab Devalishvili win that he just had, and it was a big win, right? Like, he gets the performance bonus and all of that over Marlon Marias. Marlon Marias had him wobbled, had him absolutely this close to being finished, and then he just ran out of gas, right? And, and when you look at a fight like that, that worries me against a guy like Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo doesn't run out of gas. Jose Aldo's a guy we're talking about coming off of back-to-back-to-back wins over Marlon Vera, the guy we just talked about, out here starching legends, right? Like he's out here putting away the guys who are old and past their prime. Couldn't do it with him. He went out and take, like dealt with Pedro Munoz fairly easily. And then he went five hard rounds with Rob Font and beat him as well. So like, I love Marab Devashvili. I think his wrestling's really good. But at the end of the day, I think his striking is so far behind Jose Aldo's that he's going to get hit really hard. And Jose Aldo notoriously has really good takedown defense. That, that was the thing we used to hype him up on the most when he came out of WEC and during his early featherweight title reign. So I think he stuffs enough takedowns here and just punishes Marab Devashvili with the striking. I'm going to go with the slight dog here in Aldo. I like it. Uh, let's get to our official dog of the week, though, a bigger dog, if you will. Jay Perrin is a plus 160. Let's hear it. So first of all, Jay Perrin, I think, is is clinically underrated here in this fight coming in at plus 160 because the thing about Jay Perrin is he comes off of a loss in his debut that was only on four days' notice. He fought Mario Batista. Mario Batista, a guy who just went in and submitted uh, Brian Kelleher in like 90 seconds or something like that. A guy who's knocking people out with flying knees. What did Perrin do in that debut? Oh, he took down the wrestler Mario Batista. He went three hard rounds with the guy and arguably took a round off of him. So with with all of that, I, I think the fact that we're just kind of like writing him off as a guy who only got signed as a late notice replacement is silly because he's fighting this guy in Kilangiori, a guy who kind of likes to swing it a little bit wildly. Man, that is ripe for the takedown. That is ripe for getting in on those legs, finishing those takedowns, and doing some top game work, and hey, maybe even getting a submission. So I think Jay Perrin's got advantages in all of those spots, and I think you're going to see it here on Saturday. Boom, I like it. And then our parlay to play is Alexander Romanoff, a minus 325, and Lucy Pudilova, a minus 145. Pair them together, though. It does get you plus money at plus 121. Break that down. 
So I love Alexander Romanov. I'm a huge fan of him. I think his takedown game and his new commitment to fitness is really changed my view of him too. You know, he was in his first two fights in the UFC. He was a big fat guy and his cardio kind of showed it, especially in the Juan Espino fight. Since then, he looks cut. He looks ripped. I'm excited to see what it'll look like on the scales on Friday. But at the end of the day, I think just his skill set is terrible for a guy like Marcin Tybura, a guy who is a little bit big and thick and a little bit thick in the middle, a guy who likes to use his own wrestling. And I think his wrestling is way worse than Romanov's. That's why you see Romanov is a huge favorite here. I think he easily takes down Tybura and just beats the hell out of him. I also like Lucy Putalova getting invited back to the UFC here for two reasons. Number one, I loved the, her style of fighting when she was in the UFC. She's looked good since leaving and fighting for Octagon over in uh, Czech Republic. And she throws hands really well. She mixes things up. And also for the second reason, this is a giant fate of Yanan Wu. Because I think Yanan Wu is one of the worst fighters in the women's bantamweight division. A division that's not particularly deep. And she's the shallowest of that deep. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't feel very much faith in Yanan Wu. And I really do like Lucy Putalova. So, yeah, pair her and Romanov together. And let's get some plus money on it. Boom. That does it for this week's edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. I sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Let us know how we did. Did you do? Did we do you right? Did we do you dirty with some of these picks? You can reach us at Top Turtle MMA on all the social medias you would think of. Instagram, Twitter. We're not on Facebook. We don't like it. But Instagram, Twitter, hit us up. Let us know. Gumby, this show is a moving along. Where do we go next? We're going to transition now to my interview with Miran Gogoladze, who is fighting on Contender Series. Just a quick heads up. This interview is done through an interpreter speaking Georgian. So if you are uh, bothered by that, you know, just be aware that it's about to happen. But he's getting ready for Contender Series, a really exciting prospect. And we're going to get to that interview for you in just a moment. But before we do, I have to let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial arts, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Amiran Gogoladze. All right, and joining me today is Amiran Gogoladze, who fights Darius Flowers at week five of the Dana White's Contender Series. That fight is on August 23rd. So, Amiran, you've been asking kind of for like a big show call up to somewhere like the UFC for quite a while on Twitter or Instagram. Were you surprised when that call finally came? Amiran, did you UFC's to be honest, that was not a surprise for me because, uh, you know, I fight good and uh, since my fights are talking, so I was I was ready for the call. I think about that all the time, and I'm I'm more than sure in myself. On August 23, I will show everything, and I will I will deserve the contract of the UFC. 
And obviously knowing that you're ready is, is different than finally getting that call. So was it a, an emotional moment for you knowing that like you were finally going to get a chance to show that to the world? Um, yeah, you are right. And when I think about that, that's a different thing. And when they call me, that's a that's a totally different thing. And when they called me and say that I'm 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 in, I was I was so happy, I was so emotional. My coach Yuri Kabulashuli told told me, and and I was like I jumped from from my bedroom to the to the living room, and uh, I was so happy. Well, that's great to hear. And and you know, obviously you're you're being you're a very young guy. So how long have you known that this is the path that you wanted, that you wanted to be a professional fighter? Uh, Darbas she shall be done, be really what she done, be really spanning the done milk and milk tiro, MMA or Chemisakme, as you or Chemisam Aro, be really gamma jobitan, Taisa how is Miss Nebula set up of Rivot Mirror Seda, Serotat, Texman Zidan, Pewan, Alizabima Somme, we are we, and sport is Swissa, it is never Swiss double. When I was fifteen years old, I started to training in MMA, and after one year, I had my fight. And when I won my fight, and the the day after, when I when I go when I go to the gym, and the, when I step inside the gym, uh, I decided that it was my world, MMA world, and I wanted to live with in that way. And I was sure in myself that when I I was sure in myself, I had the goal to become the champion. And after 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 that age age of 15, I already know it was my world. So, so that's wild. He, he took his first fight when he was 15, or you took your first fight when you were 15. Sorry about directing those questions, but you took your first fight when you were 15. What was it? 16 the, years old. 16 years old. Was it the success of that fight that made you feel that you that was your world, or was it, you know, was there some other part of that feeling that made you feel that way? Uh, since my first fight at age of 16 and and the feels I, I felt after the fight when I won that uh, ne- never happened after that because I, I had many fights in my career but the first the first feeling is always the best feeling and 
you know, when when I fought there, that fight made me made me sure that I was born for an MMA. That's awesome to hear. Now, I'm curious too because you know that many years ago there weren't a lot of Georgian fighters in the UFC, and and now there is. Has it been inspirational for you to see, you know, the likes of Giga Chikadze and Marab Tavalashvili and, and all of those guys in the UFC now? Um, UFC Shida, Zalian did Sakuragitis, and Kageta, Matma, Mogebima, Matma, Armat Ebuma Seriema, that's UFC Shiagitis, Inkue, Iliatopurian, Urama, Gigam, Tolizem, Nebismer, Merabi, Matia Majovi, Aisahai Mazero, Chuen, Carto Mutolis, or Pometishan Simogata, Misapro, Dawin Pirota, UFC Shimo, Trans UFC Shipsolada. Of course, that's that's so inspirational for me. It's a motivated thing for me. It motivates me when I see the fighters like Gija Chikadze, Merab Dualishvili, Ilya Topuria, um, Roman Dolidze, Duran Tukatelaze are fighting in UFC and they have a winning streets there. They are victorious there. And they they are pushing the people to to watch the Georgian MMA, and they are they are opening the doors for us. For example, when they fight and when they have a win streak there, the more people are watching the Georgian MMA. And the, when I join, if I join the UFC, and I will I will do my best, and I think that I will open the door to the other fighters who are fighting out of Georgia. That's that's awesome to hear. Now I'm curious too about traveling to the U.S. because this is is a long travel and you you haven't traveled, you know, across oceans to compete before. Is it somewhat nerve wracking to to have to travel across, you know, the world to travel and, and fight in front of, you know, the 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 boss, Dana White? I said short as the Arasores as far as all these at least. American share table is that I wish for Saris, Okeanis Radarma, a Saris to Arshan to Sanar Vuloda, Rodoris Novait Nevarosas, ბოლივარ-ხანმითუმეტეს-შეიქმნა I Yeah, you are right. That that's the first time I'm living in the Georgia for such a long traveling. And I'm going alone because there are some issues with my corner. So when I'm going alone to the US, it motivates me so much because I'm going alone there. And I will fight there without my corner. So when when I join the when I join when I when I go to the Dana White series and I fight there and I win, I'm sure that I win this fight. Uh, I will go straight to the Dana White's eyes and I, w- I will ask them 
Give me the fighting contract. <laughs> yeah, I caught that translation. Um, can, can I ask them, you said you're having trouble with your corner. It's difficult to get them there. Are, are you going to have no corner or will somebody be filling in for you as your extra corner? Robert Smith, Harry, would have standard assured. I'm going to be sure to know the Marto Ichnebi, Amy Shertos that if she, as she knows him as a good Hesha, I don't know about two, still a bro, Mozemo, Damian, or Melissa, or about us. so yeah i'm going alone to the u.s and my corner has some troubles but uh, i have a lot of friends in u.s for example the georgian friends also my manager may, maybe will be there and his fighters will join me in the corner but um i hope the the georgian u.s fighters will help me also and uh, as far as i know tony and really has a fight and and maybe that might be might be the, the thing for me, and they will help me. Well, that's good to hear too. Now, now let's talk about the fight itself too. You're fighting Darius Flowers. Uh, I'm wondering how much have you known about him as an opponent, and, and what did you learn and think about him? Um, Raspicho Darius Flowers is a sakhabitsi uh YouTube is yeah, I saw um, some of his fights on YouTube and I know what's the capabilities and I know what's his skills, but it doesn't matter who will be in front of me. It's Darius Flowers on any other fighter. Uh, I, I'm, my name is Amir Antogolaze and I will destroy anyone who will stay who will stand in front of me. I love it. Now, I always like before I end these things to get a prediction for fighters. Do you have a prediction for how this fight will end? Um, um, in general, uh, I don't make uh, I don't make the decisions before the fight, and I'm not having any any guesses before the fight. And I will fight my fight, and with my skills and the the other things, the fight will show us. Well, we are absolutely looking forward to it. And once again, fans, this has been Amiran Gogoladze, who fights Darius Flowers on week five of the Contender Series on August 23rd. Amiran, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. 
And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, MMA Play 365 and Maroon Social. And as a reminder, you can check us out on the social medias at Top Turtle MMA on both Twitter and Instagram. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll catch you then.